0: I'm excited to share with you here an episode I did with a friend here in North Texas, got a phenomenal uh, broadcast, uh, Teresa Lusk. We discuss uh, evil in the world. We discuss drugs, Ukraine, politics, and everything in between. Look, bottom line is there's evil in this world. we got to fight uh, all we can to keep this great nation great. And I encourage you to check out this show. I've embedded it right here into this podcast. God bless you all. Thanks again for tuning in to Paul Chabot Show. And Here is the segment with Teresa Lusk.
1: Friends, welcome to the Teresa Lusk Show. I am your host, Teresa Lusk, and I have with me Dr. Paul Chabot. That's right. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey, you know, Dr. Paul and I, we were having this conversation at a political event recently we started talking about just briefly uh the border crisis and this is when i got to learn a little bit about him and he said you know you've got to go further than that do you remember that conversation so dr paul let me just tell you just a little bit about him so that you can get the full picture uh dr paul chabot he retired from the u.s navy in december of 2022 and during his 21 years of military service, he was designated as an intelligence officer. Uh, Dr. Chabot mobilized to Iraq in 2008 with additional assignments at Joint Special Operations Command. And during his tour, he completed an exhaustive study of Al Qaeda and authored now an unclassified strategy describing methods to dismantle terror networks. Yes. Wow. Tell us about this because the viewers are looking at this going, wait a minute, what?
0: terror drug this yeah. goes further talk to us a little bit yeah, about it. it does so you know we we hear about drug cartels organized crime um you know whatever it may be but what i try to do is is to tell folks that look this is really about good versus evil uh that's really what this boils down to whether it's strong criminal elements of sophisticated prison gangs which control a lot of the drugs in and out of prisons and they're connected to the street gangs or high-level terror networks they all share a common denominator and that's really a lack of civility but from us from the good folks right that are always trying to battle this sort of evil um, I, I compare it to this first off we as humans are never gonna defeat evil like that's not our job that's God's job our job really is to make sure that we do everything we can to protect our kids our community our country from this spreading further and further and taking over society. And so when you look at um, the growth of evil, when you look at the growth of terrorism or just the sinister nature of what happens in our world today, it really does you know, boil down to how we value people. And obviously uh, good people value people, we value society. Mm-hmm. And when you look at drug cartels, let's just take drug cartels. We shouldn't even call them, we should remove the word drug actually, because they're not just dealing in drugs, they're dealing in human smuggling, weapon smuggling, real estate. That's true. It's It's all about the money, and they will do whatever they can, however they can, to get money. Mm -hmm. Gangs are the exact same way. Now what's interesting is terror organizations or terror networks are slightly different. They've got a more radical ideology. Mm -hmm. But what's fascinating, and it's what I learned when I was in Iraq, when I had a chance to author a strategy, is that even Al-Qaeda in Iraq had to make money. And so, interestingly, what they were doing was replicating what cartels and organized crimes do to get money to pay their foreign fighters. Mm -hmm. Now, you remember in 2008, the surge, all this violence was happening. And you saw all these what were called foreign fighters flood in to help support uh, al-Qaeda or even ISIS, for that matter. Well, guess what? These fighters get paid money. And if they're not getting a paycheck, they're not going to, for the most of them, they're not going to fight. They're going to go home. And so, for Al Qaeda to get money, they had to be involved in illicit activities, mm-hmm. which included kidnapping, extortion, and even drug trafficking.
1: My goodness. You know, there's so much to this that you're kind of breaking down, and I know you lumped it all together. Um, you know, you said there's so much evil. Our job is to try to protect our families and things of that nature. You know, there's so much going on uh, with the border crisis. How do you tie that in to terrorism? Because yep. that's where I want our, our sure. viewers to put that together, and even for myself. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you know, I spent six years working in the White House um, doing drug policy, which was looking at our largely looking at our border and part of the program that I had an honor to serve on was a quarter billion dollar program called the High Intensity Drug Trafficking Area Program, okay. which was targeting the high level organized structures from a budgetary perspective and making sure that our local, state, and federal law enforcement had the ability and resources to target cartels. Now. What's fascinating about cartels, and I'm going to take you back now to the 1980s, Reagan was president. Um, There was a DEA agent named Kiki Camarena. Kiki Camarena was assigned basically uh, down in Mexico. And um, a drug cartel basically kidnapped him, tortured him, Mm -hmm. killed him. And for those that were around in the 1980s, I was a little kid, but Ronald Reagan uh, was very firm on the border. And uh, he told the Mexican government, look, if we don't get the killers of that American over here on U.S. soil, we're going to shut down this border. Hmm. And actually, Reagan shut down our border. There was nobody coming in or out of Mexico. Right. And so historically, we've done this in the past to address an issue where an American was killed and we couldn't get the killers. But when we shut down that border, guess what happened? What? Suspects were shoved under the border to us. Mm. And we got our guys. Okay. So, supposedly. But from this, that is where drug cartels really sort of got their footing. And we could talk hours upon their structure and how they evolved. And it's really fascinating. But historically, we've done this before as a country, shut down a border to address a problem. And there's no reason we shouldn't do that today.
1: Mm. Oof. Well, you're now saying something controversial right that's right okay so you're hearing i'll tell you why in a minute why it's so important okay so you're hearing this from the man who actually was at the white house dealing with this by the way i've never heard that ronald reagan president ronald reagan had shut the border down yes he did that's not something that you hear in the media very often especially not today right okay so um it worked though it did so why? Tell us what happened yeah. after that.
0: Well, it worked because it put the pressure on Mexican officials, which are largely all corrupt. And I should say that there are a few good ones in Mexico. You don't hear about them because they get killed so quickly. Oh, goodness. They get killed so quickly. And for the most part, Mexican officials, third world country, uh, they're on the take. If you've ever been to Mexico, and I used to live in California, used to go down to Tijuana. If you get pulled over, it's common knowledge to... Pay the officer money to let you go. Yes. Well, that's a corrupt society. If you do that in America, you're going to jail. The cops going to jail, (laughs) you're going to jail. So you're dealing with a country already that doesn't really have a rule of law. Mm -hmm. They've got more of a tribal aspect of, and that same tribal aspect exists in Iraq and Afghanistan. And so Mm -hmm. we can now see why evil can flourish. Wherever there is this one common denominator, and that is a lack of societal rule of law, evil will thrive, Mm -hmm. which is why it's important for us to pay attention to political corruption. At the smallest of levels, because that can degrade society (laughs) and allow big money to come in from nefarious people and take over your community.
1: And we need to talk about that here in just a little bit, because I think that right now in our, in our nation, we are seeing, um, the uprise of people just like, there are a lot of people I I believe are getting fed up with the corruption, even at the local level. I'm seeing it in our area, you're seeing it. And then of course, in the nation, um, so, shutting the border has its benefits. Um, I've heard people say, mm-hmm. people who've been in law enforcement and even in um, as serving as border agents, that we created this problem.
0: Mm-hmm. What do you say to that? Well, we are part of the problem. We have a huge drug demand in our country and so you know when you look at the drug epidemic in our society today and here in texas i run coalition drug free texas uh, very involved in keeping kids off drugs we are failing as a country from a, a national drug control policy perspective we have more people today using illicit drugs than ever before recorded and so yes a lot of these drugs come over from mexico but not all of them do right so methamphetamine which was huge meth speed crank whatever you want to call it white powdery cheap substance was big in the 2000s from a good national strategy we were able to basically eliminate local labs that produced this in this country by modeling state drug laws of what Missouri and Kansas did at getting pseudoephedrine off the counter but what's interesting is there was still a demand and so who fed that demand well all of a sudden the cartels, which back then were largely dealing in maybe marijuana, cocaine, heroin, all of a sudden uh, got into the meth business, mm-hmm. big time. And so these big labs that were here in our country, they, they're basically homes converted into drug labs, moved down to Mexico as super labs, which are huge, enormous. And they were getting most of their pseudo over over-the-counter product used to make meth from China. Uh, flying in bulk quantities illicitly into our country and then being trafficked south of the border Mm -hmm. to make the meth and bring it back up so if we truly want to address the drug problem which will help reduce the gang problem which will help reduce every other problem we can't look at this as a uh, one shoe fits all it's about education prevention treatment enforcement and recovery we got to. Keep kids off drugs. We got to educate society why legalizing drugs is the dumbest thing we could ever do. I'll give you an example of this. In California, when I was there, I fought against marijuana legalization. The marijuana legalization entities, largely funded by George Soros Open Society, have pushed for outright open use, and no matter what. Now, how they tricked the voters in California was they said, "Look, if we legalize marijuana, we're going to do away with the black market." If you look at what's happened today, they basically legalized marijuana in California. The black market is thriving. In fact, you've had cartels that have moved from Mexico into California, mm-hmm. into the national forest, into their production. They have opened up a Pandora's box, and we need wow. to not replicate that across the Interesting country.
1: Interesting what you're saying, because I think a lot of people that even that I've spoken to and, and heard uh, speak on this. They do think, of course, those who vote for it, they do believe that if you just legalize it, the problem will become less. But you're saying, no, it won't.
0: It doesn't, and the examples are clear. Colorado legalized marijuana. Uh, This week, the California legislature, crazy legislature. It's embarrassing uh, to see what's happened in California. They're gonna uh, allow other illicit drugs. So here's what's crazy. If you've been to San Francisco, ladies and gentlemen, or you've seen it on TV, that's what happens when you legalize drugs now look even in crazy san francisco Mm -hmm. they just last year or last sorry last week put a lot of police on the streets trying to get all these druggies off the streets what we need to understand is all the homelessness issues that are happening, most all of it is connected to substance abuse. Mm-hmm. And when you allow free drugs to flow, mm-hmm. what we have to remember is people who are addicted to drugs are not the same person they were when they were sober.
1: Absolutely. That is such a sad thing. I'm so glad you brought that up because there are, and if you pay attention to social media, I mean, guys, come on. Y'all have seen the videos of these people literally strung out, trembling, yeah. shaking. It is some of the most horrific images. Yeah, absolutely. I actually had to unfollow a page. Because at first I thought, this is an interesting story, whatever, but it became to be so much to just watch the reality of what's going on. Yeah. In addition to the drug problem, though, there are also some mental health issues yeah, as well. That I think that um, the priorities of our nation, if we could get some mental health funding yeah. as well, and I know it's a big, huge problem, but I think if you get the right uh, minds and uh, those experts uh, together, maybe there could be some, something, some movement for it. But you said something. That sometimes people don't agree with um, because you said it's not just a drug problem, but it's a demand problem. Sure. It's a problem that people you're not going to sell something if people don't want it or need it. So I was thinking about this the other day. What about um, the the anti-drug education? When I was a kid, yeah. I suppose we're probably around the same age, somewhere around there. Um, what You constantly heard the anti-drug yeah. uh, trainings. Right. What happened to those?
0: So two things happened. Uh, well, I'll tell you, the primary thing that happened is those that want to legalize drugs um, went to war against our anti-drug messaging, largely funded by George Soros and others which believe in open society. And I was ignorant to this. I was in law enforcement in California, worked narcotics. I didn't understand any of this until I went to D.C. And I worked in both the Clinton and the Bush White House, albeit as a Republican. But back then in the Clinton White House, worked for General Barry McCaffrey, that era of Democrats, even Joe Biden back then, was against the very things the Democrat Party today is is outright pushing. And I, I think it's also a failure on the Republican Party to really address This head on. It's so simple. Um, When you look at the mayors of San Francisco or L.A., they are finally going, yeah, we've got a problem in our cities. Why are more people moving out? I run a company called Conservative Move, largely helping folks move out of blue states to red states. But why are they leaving? They're leaving because the states that they're in, in California or or parts of uh, Oregon, Washington, Seattle, Portland, New York. It's a disaster. Mm-hmm. So families are moving. You can't hire police in those cities. But it's not just happening in blue states. It's happening in red states in blue cities. Here in Texas, Austin is a complete train wreck.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes. I was there not too long ago. Um, let me ask you a question about the George Soros deal, yeah. because you know a lot. Of, I think a lot of people. One of the goals here at the Teresa Lusk show is to educate, educate, educate. Yeah. And I've heard a lot myself of the George Soros. Please explain that just a little bit. And how do you know it's true? Like, where where do you you point back to that?
0: So uh, I didn't know who George Soros was until I went to work for the White House, albeit in a Democrat administration under General Barry McCaffrey, who was the White House drug czar, who was also one of the youngest four-star generals. Famous for um, his tank efforts in um, Iraq or Gulf War One, if you will, and I think a phenomenal um, director of Office of National Drug Control Policy. I learned through him and his staff in the efforts. I watched the George Soros entities, the Drug Policy Alliance, and others that he funds, because his vision. It's about open. It's about no borders. It's about anything goes. And so, you know, I've got some libertarian friends, God bless them. But the challenge is, is when you allow people to pretty much do whatever they want, it impacts the innocent people all around you. For sure. And so, we don't have the resources, um, like we run a youth anti-drug coalition here in McKinney, small, we run a state one, we enjoy doing it, mm-hmm. but when you look at the money and the lobby, there's hundreds of lobbyists now that are on you, are Capitol Hill that are out there promoting marijuana or drug legalization, and they go to door to door to door to all the congressmen and senators, and who's doing it on our, our side? well, maybe one or two lobbyists we have against a whole army of others. And it's all about the money. Yes. If you want to follow the money, when I ran for Congress in 2014 in California, um, I was a Republican nominee facing up in one of the most targeted seats ever uh, in in that area at the time. And the marijuana industry gave more to my opponent than they had to any other candidate. Why to defeat the anti-drug person? And so they take their money and they will do everything they can um, to defeat good people who are against, what the soros and the other entities that he aligns and funds are for.
1: What's his goal though? I mean, yes, yeah. but why?
0: What what is it? Yeah. What is he getting from it? What yeah. what's the deal? So, look, genuinely, you at least have to respect the fact that at least he's honest about <laughs> his open society view. He doesn't want borders. But yeah. why? What what is his goal? Open society. Well, I I think that that that's a question for him. But he will mask it in um, humanitarian efforts, or that we all just need to sort of coalesce. But we know without borders, you don't have a country, you don't have an identity. We, If we didn't have borders with Mexico, would we become like – who wants to legitimately live in Mexico, a third-world country where your police are on the take, you're afraid for your life, and it's really not a way to raise a family? We want to live here in this country. Now, listen, America was not always – like this chicago used to be like mexico in the 1930s and 40s Um, organized crime used to control a lot of what we do in this country at, at the ports and others we've been able to you know squeeze and push out you know that evil it's become more underground but it still exists and i think one of the more important points i could make today is that You know, we can never give up on this. And I I frame it this way. Let's just imagine um, anybody see a horror movie, you know, name name the last horror movie or a horror movie from the 90s, like Freddy or Jason Friday the 13th. So what happens at the end of almost every one of those movies? Once the good person has killed or they think they've killed the monster or the demon, right? What happens when that good person gets up? turns their back and walks away (laughs) the evil rises again and so this happens in in this is this is life if we take our eye off the threat and just because we think we've got the enemy down whatever it may be if we ever take our eyes off of that it will grow again and that's what we see with terror networks in afghanistan iraq Drug cartels in California when they took their foot off uh, putting people in jail. You just get this reverse on society.
1: Well, it's interesting, too, that so many of the mayors who were like, yes, we're for, you know, humanitarian. And now they're seeing the overflow of the immigrants, not just from Mexico, by the way. Um, Now they're acting like if this is a surprise that this would even happen you know obviously this is going to affect our nation because you see that this is going to spread they're going to put some here and there and listen as a human being a, a woman who loves the lord well i care about that stuff yeah. but i also care about trying to preserve america sure. in its safety i sure. actually um my parents are from mexico and i was born and raised here in the in dallas and um i used to go to mexico all the time as a little kid and that was real
0: yeah
1: where you slipped money to the police officer for whatever thing because for whatever mood they were in to stop you because of whatever silly thing or when you're crossing the border when you were crossing the border just to get through um, they wanted money you know and I remember when I was finally an adult and had my own mind I was traveling to Mexico with uh, some family and an uncle was in the car and um, this is just me being a little bit of a rebel but he was like well get ready because they're going to maybe want you to I said I ain't paying nobody nothing Mm -hmm. today I mean, that would have been trouble for that's me, right, but, that's but right, for real, right. I mean, it, it's, it's that frustrating. So you talk about Mexico being a third world. I remember even going to Mexico with my, because my grandparents had a house there, yeah. but my, my grandmother was an American citizen. So my grandfather worked here. And when we would go for the summer back to their, you know, house and just to take a break. I mean even there were little three-year-old kids selling candy Mm -hmm. and cleaning windows i mean it was it was hard it was hard to watch so when you talk about a third world country is mexico improving absolutely but now you've seen how the u.s now is resembling a lot of Mm -hmm. their lawless ways and i hate to say that but it's the truth so um What can Americans be aware of at this time? So obviously, we have this drug problem that combines into even the terrorism. You talked about that, the organized crime. Uh, Help us make some more connections here with all of what you've done, because I think this is very, very interesting. And then we're going to merge into talking a little bit about the politics and what do we need to be aware of?
0: So uh, I'm a first generation American Uh, on my father's side. They came over from Canada to New York, then to pittsburgh california etc so um you know and my mother's side you know russian ukraine and so you know america is this amazing melting pot and i understand completely why anybody in a third world country would want to come to america yes in fact uh what's fascinating is these people are coming to our country Because of how much they love our country and what we stand for, but yet the wokeness in America hates our country and won't stand for our. It's just the weirdest thing that Americans here dislike our country and those that are trying to flee. And I understand that, but we have to have there is a right way and a wrong way to do it. Now, look, if I was a single mom with kids, I'd want to. I do everything I could to get here as well. I understand that from a humanitarian perspective. What can America do? Uh, differently to help address this problem? Well, we give foreign aid, ladies and gentlemen. It's part of what we do. And um, very rarely do we decertify budgets to countries. And I think that we need to begin this hard conversation about decertifying our budgets to countries that are not actually acting on corruption. Nothing, if we can't address Corruption. nothing else matters mm-hmm. because that corruption is just always going to be that seedy room where whatever good idea comes in, it's going to get kicked out the back door. And so for Mexico, for example, you know, what could we do? Should we do? There's no silver bullet. It'll take time. Remember, you know, these problems weren't started overnight. They're not going to end overnight. <clears throat> However, we give so much money to these countries. We need to have strings attached mm-hmm. and these strings attached must address how are they rooting out corruption That's and start small and look at who your good local police chiefs are before they get killed or the reporters out there before they report on a cartel and end up getting killed. Yeah, we can do better and we're not.
1: Yeah. And sometimes you, the, the good people don't even have time to be the leaders
0: that they need to be. Look, Mexico's a beautiful country, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if you imagine just North America, uh, it's a beautiful country. If it wasn't a if it wasn't a third world hellhole right now because of what the cartels have done with the corruption, you wouldn't have people fleeing. you probably have people from America going down there mm-hmm. to go live in Cabo, San Lucas, yeah. or Puerto Vallarta, Mazatlan. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But you don't have people living in these beautiful areas because the societal rule of law has basically collapsed. Yeah.
1: So would you say that about other countries as well, though? Because as you know, it's not just Mexicans coming. It's from other countries. Why is that happening? And what are some of the other countries that we're seeing come in? And what are some of the concerns? We know clearly that with Mexico, it is the drug cartel. It is the human trafficking and the sex trafficking. So but what about some of the other
0: nations
1: represented? And what do you say to that? Yeah. In
0: fact, you can even take away the names of nations. And all you have to do when I talk about it in my book is look anywhere on the globe Where you have lack of societal rule of law. Remember, you know, we pay taxes in America. The number one role of government is to protect the people. That's it. Like, that is your, that is the top job. And if your government can't protect the people, then you're failing. And that's what allows this corruption to happen. This is what creates these sort of cesspools. But other parts of this, remember, have been cultural, historical, generational. Some of these areas don't know any different. All they hear about is this great country called America, and they see our movies and what we're about. Well, ladies and gentlemen, here's probably one of the more poignant points of this conversation. We're still one of the youngest democracies on this planet. Mm -hmm. China, which is eating our lunch in a lot of ways, economically, militarily, in the Pacific, they've been around forever. They have seen empires come and go. Do we think America will be here another generation? We don't know. A famous founding father once said, you know, we are just one generation away from extinction. And from our country perspective today, we should not be just complacent or arrogant that, hey, we're Americans, we're going to be around. No, uh, not necessarily. Historically, empires have come and gone. China has seen that historically. Historically. we need to right our ship because we're not doing very well as a country.
1: Well, and you see that now. And I think that's the goal, that we don't do very well. Yeah. So let me ask this very honest question, because we've had um, many prior administrations who were very pro-America. Yeah. Were they not doing their part in fighting some of this? Because do, do we not have to take responsibility? I try to be very objective about many things, really, as, as much as possible, Right. So we have to ask those honest questions. I'm so glad to hear about President Ronald Reagan. Thank God. But that time's come and gone. It has. So now we have other administrations what part did they play and are they really intentionally playing a part i can tell you i don't believe president biden's doing that today but what about the prior uh, administrations can you talk to us a little bit about that because i do hear a lot see you've got to understand that there are the very cynical individuals who also served our country and they have a really bad taste in their mouth and they you know they don't like um they feel like there is a an agenda Mm -hmm. and the agenda is to divide no matter what you do it doesn't matter but is that true and what have our prior administrations done
0: it's even simpler than that it it really comes down to personal experience to be able to lead if you're going to go to war you're not going to take somebody fresh out of the academy to lead your troops and you're going to want the most experienced person who understands not only your own resources but understands your adversary and so from this we need to elect people that are truly competent understand not just themselves and our country but our challenges as well and usually that boils down to personal experience we lack that in politics here in fact I jokingly say that you know most people who run for public office are narcissists Mm -hmm. Uh, and most good people don't want to run for office Mm -hmm. many good people can't get elected in office today because they won't do the things that are required of them to get the money to be able to get elected and then from that it's a good old boy good old girl network uh, in the system today now there are a few good people that are out there but America can be so much better. The problem is we keep electing people based on a postcard or a yard sign and we and that's all funded by PACs and special interests and lobbyists. And you could you could literally elect a monster because that monster has been uh, elevated to look like a celebrity mm-hmm. to all the voters and that that happens because of money and i've seen it time and time again in elections and federal level local level and when i ran here for office in texas last year oh my god texas you've got a problem out here when your <laughs> grassroots out here are furious across this state because a, the establishment in texas the political action committees and the lobbyists basically control the agenda Texas is a great state, but I tell you what, um, the grassroots here are, are furious right now, and, and for good reason so.
1: I believe that. I believe that. I see a lot of, of uh, ruffling of, of feathers, and, and people are upset about all sorts of things. Sure. It's, it's hard to watch, to be it honest is. with you. It's hard to watch because you think, hey, we're all on the same side, especially when you're on the same side. You right. know, we're all on the same side. so looking at the 2024 presidential um, election coming up, as you saw, I'm sure, that um, the border crisis, and we can tie this back to anything else you want because obviously sure, you're sure. the expert in this, um, wasn't talked about. But we can't ignore that because I think that our country is very vulnerable right now. So what? why is this happening? Why would, yeah. and I know, you know, yeah. what is your perspective on why is this current administration ignoring this need for our borders and for everything else because i think it all ties together and i'm no expert but terrorism hello yeah it's tied to that even gangs by the way so talk to us a little bit about that what's the tie-in and why is this
0: administration not doing it so i think two things one there's the boiling the frog analogy that little by little as you do incremental changes most people don't pay attention i think that's true unfortunately and that's how i think the radical left especially the wokeism has pushed uh so much so far but um I think that when we take a step back and we look at, you know, why isn't the Biden administration or another administration doing certain things, part of it is they don't know. They don't know how they don't know how to address the problem. They have incompetent people that are elevated to these different secretary roles, these leadership roles that are based on largely political donations or friends or connections and not actual real world experience. I think that's what is, is so critical. But the other part of this is, you know, if you've been to Washington, D.C., and you've seen the uh, Vietnam Wall, huge wall of Americans that lost their lives over a war that lasted many years, um, there's close to 58,000 names that are inscribed on that wall wow. of Americans. Well, we lose more than twice that every single year in this country just to substance abuse. Hmm. Remember how outraged people in the 60s were about you know, the military conflict or people dying? Where's the outrage today of 120,000 Americans dying every single year because of drugs? What's the goal of terrorism? You know, they want to kill a lot of Americans. What are drugs doing? Drugs are killing more people than terrorists are. Mm-hmm. And if we can't even address this domestic problem of youth drug use in our schools, which is rampant, I mean, it is absolutely off the chart. Mm-hmm. And you see failure after failure after failure, not only in blue states, but in red states. Here in Texas, the number one biggest challenge in our public schools is that many of them don't participate in basically a free survey called the Texas School Survey. It's a state funded survey that Texas AM University administers, it's a confidential survey that Uh, basically um, uh, allows kids to fill out a confidential survey about what they're seeing or hearing on campus, Mm. not just drugs, but you know, a lot of things. Most schools don't do this survey takes a few seconds to do. And the reason they don't do it, let's just be honest. The reason they don't do it is because that survey is going to come back as public record. Mm. And it's going to show that, guess what? Your school's caught a problem. Mm. Well, guess what? Your school does have a problem. And so does every (laughs) other school in Texas. Yeah. So, We've got to require. Look, if we're if we're sending our kids to state schools, state tax dollars, we want to make sure that they're being safe, mm-hmm. and we should at least mandate that. It, okay, we're going to require data because you can't fix a problem unless you acknowledge one exists right now we are literally flying blind with our kids and what we do know is that they are dropping like flies from fentanyl here in plano i think you've had four kids dying the last year from fentanyl at our anti-drug uh, meetings here at drugfreemckinney.org we've had two parents show up already that lost family members to fentanyl so here's the problem why are we not outraged at that mm-hmm. yeah and and I think it's it's a lack of leadership overall to address the issue, but sadly, also we've gotten numb to it.
1: That I, I agree with that, and also it's a media problem because if you watch the media. Um, <clears throat> mostly conservative uh, news outlets I think they are reporting the fentanyl issue but you're not seeing the liberal media report it and this isn't to pick on them but the truth is that this needs to be this is a a humanity issue yeah. it should be reported because it is a humanity issue um, so anyhow so that's very interesting so your book here let's eternal battle against evil this is your hearts you know mission right now. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about the book and how can
0: it help our viewers? Sure, so uh, yeah, when, I was, when I was working on my doctoral dissertation, um, it was on organizational resiliency within the Ariano Felix Drug Trafficking Organization. And how we first started our conversation today, mm-hmm. I talked about Ronald Reagan shutting down the border uh, because DEA agent Kiki Camarena was tortured and killed in Mexico and we didn't get the killers back right away. Well, that organization that was largely responsible for his killing evolved into what became one of the most brutal drug cartels we've ever seen, called the Ariano Felix Drug Trafficking Organization. Now they are not in existence today, but somebody took their place, they always do. But my study of the Ariano Felix Drug Trafficking Organization in the early 2000s identified for the very first time ever resiliency characteristics. We've got to respect the fact that they continuously adapt. All drug cartels do, because they're always preparing for one thing, and that's failure. So for example, they don't just flood drugs across our border in vehicles, They do it in drones, tunnels, submarines. I mean, they will come up with the most imaginative ideas because they want to build in resiliency and redundancy. And what my book um, talks about here and what we discovered is that all of these sinister organizations share an almost identical structure. And it's not that they call each other and go, hey, we're going to do It's that they evolve to prevent failure. And so if we want to be better at combating them. Remember, we're not going to defeat evil, but we want to make it smaller and smaller and smaller like we've done. We've got to focus our resources on those resiliency characteristics, which I outline uh, here in this book as well.
1: And you use this for training or what? So who are you training? in? Yeah.
0: So when I was in Iraq, I had just finished my dissertation. This is before the book. And I had a great commander at the time who allowed me to create an Al-Qaeda interagency human collection working group, a uh, bunch of folks, top secret clearance, sitting around about how to better target uh, Al-Qaeda. And I was able to study this organization and author a strategy, which is now unclassified, which you can... Google um, unclassified strategy defeat Al Qaeda with my name behind it. And it'll pop up, and what it shows is that yes, if you want to help shrink the enemy, not we got to stop talking about defeating it because. We can't. You can't defeat an ideology, right? I'll give you an example. Are we ever going to eliminate homelessness? No. We're we ever going to eliminate the drug problem? We're we ever going to win the drug war? No. We're going to win the home? No. It's always going to be there, but we want to make sure that every year that problem is getting smaller and smaller and smaller sure. so we can show that. That's what this book shows is we've got to focus on those resiliency core characteristics of what allows organizations to continue their adaptation and changes so we can shrink them. And more importantly, sort of a nerd in me, you've got to collect data. You've got to know what you're doing is either working or it's not working. And if it's not working from a government perspective, you've got to say, look, guys, we're failing. Because if that problem got bigger this year than last year, what you're doing is not working.
1: That's good. So how important then is this tied up to foreign policy?
0: Yeah, it all plays into foreign policy. Foreign policy is a lot of politics, and there's a lot that goes on behind these scenes. And again, I am so adamant that whatever money we are providing, and I do believe, you know, look, we got to take care of our own in this country, but we cannot be isolationists, right? We've got to help protect our allies, friends and interests around the globe. And I'll tell you why. I'm a huge study of history, as I'm sure many of you are as well. If you look at Pearl Harbor, just before we were hit by the Japanese in World War II at Pearl Harbor, most of America did not want to get involved in the war in Europe. We just we did, we didn't mind giving supplies, but we didn't want to put our own boots on the ground. Once we got hit at Pearl Harbor, oh, guess what? America changed on a dime. We were in the fight. Recruiting lines were out there. So we can't be isolationists if the world is a disaster and terrorism grows it's going to come hit us again which is why we don't want to be the world's policeman we want to protect our homeland by making sure that we're protecting american interests which are broadly all around this country right mm-hmm. all around this world right now yeah
1: very interesting, because um, obviously uh, you you hear about America helping Ukraine, and I know yeah. we're kind of shifting just a little bit, but being that you deal with terrorism
0: and other things of that nature. Um, Can I say something on this? Yeah, please. You please. know, um, I try to read every news source that I can, good. and I even saw Bill Maher in concert uh, this past weekend. He was hilarious, <laughs> by the way. He he attacked both conservatives and liberals. Yeah. In fact, he says he's a he's a classic uh, liberal. He can't stand the woke ideology, mm-hmm. and and he's got good arguments on, on both sides. Mm-hmm. You know the the challenge of what we have, and I I grew, grew up watching um, CNN, Wolf Blitzer before there was a Fox. When you know it was just it was it was that. And I evolved watching Fox News a lot. And I still like Fox and Newsmax and all these others. What I'm concerned about is there's a consistent beating of the drum that we should not be involved uh, in Ukraine or these other places. That, that worries me because I think that that, that is a short term view for saying we want to protect our, our homeland, interests only. Let's take care of ourselves. We've got enough problems. Look. Russia has always been one of our primary adversaries. And to watch them get in their tail kicked right now, as Americans who lived through the 80s like we did when we had the nuclear bomb uh, cover your head in your classroom Mm -hmm. type thing, uh, we don't want to see a strong Russia. Right. And so is Ukraine a perfect country with perfect ideology? Do they have corruption? Of course they do. Every place does. We do in our own country as well, ladies and gentlemen. But we don't want to see Ukraine fall to Russia. We don't want to see a Russia-China alliance grow because that is damning for the free world,
1: which I'm all I, I get that. And um, but my question is, what about the financial aspect of it and also the um, equipment for it? Because I did hear a report today that, you know, the financial part of it is very concerning for America, because do you yeah. not do you not have to protect yourself? I mean, let's be honest. So how do you address that?
0: Yeah. And, and so this is where this really gets tricky, because remember, Ukraine is not a nuclear power russia is um we don't want a direct conflict with russia because we know that that can go nuclear right you just don't want that Mm -hmm. so we're providing support to ukraine to defeat russia now russia's done this to us before right they've done this in, in iraq when we when americans were getting killed and we were watching all this during the surge uh a lot of that training technology equipment ideology was not just homegrown from al-qaeda it was coming in from our adversaries like russia now that's where the political intuitiveness from a military perspective is so critical in this and that we don't want to have a direct conflict with russia but the last thing we want to see is for russia to conquer ukraine and history history is pretty clear uh, evil doesn't stop right and you don't give in to evil because they will keep taking those inches imagine if they conquered ukraine what's next what is and then at some point, this, this a problem becomes so big that it is virtually unstoppable. If it wasn't for America intervening because we got bombed by Japan, had we not truly entered World War II, Hitler would have conquered Europe without a doubt. Imagine today that world because eventually had we remained isolationist during World War II and not been bombed by Japan. Hitler would have won all of Europe. He already had conquered everything except for Britain at the time. And Britain was on their heels. Britain couldn't have survived without supplies from us. Had we not intervened, Britain would have fallen. Mm -hmm. Nazi Germany would have spread. And do you think they would have stopped at Europe or would they have come for America? They would have come for America. And then you got Japan on one side of the Pacific and uh, Germany on the other. really good uh, show out there that I watched called Man in the High Castle. You know, it's a it's it's a play on of what would have happened had Nazi Germany uh and Japan won the war. Fascinating to think that the reason we are where we are today and is because we were attacked at Pearl Harbor, which God works in mysterious ways, but we have got to see ourselves as the light in this world. And we've got to fight evil at every single opportunity, whether we like it or not. Sure.
1: And I think that's, that's being heard, but it still doesn't address the question that Americans have, which is the funding and the, the, um, the military equipment and everything that's needed to defend america should we be that vulnerable that's a question that i think a lot of people who are pro ukraine and and you know um, bring up all the great points that you have and those are great points but how do you address the finances of it how do you you know what do you say because i haven't heard anybody really give a great explanation of that
0: Yep. so it's it's first off we do a poor job uh... in budgeting and spending money in this country anyway if you look at all the pet projects of where they earmark money in congress we could be doing a hell of a lot better in this country our overall military right now is depleted uh... if you look at the pacific forget ukraine for a minute right now uh... china is eating our lunch out in the pacific china has literally built islands out of sand and continued their footprint over and over having been in the navy for twenty one years part of our job in the navy is to have open um, seaways across the globe which when you have those open and protected seaways it really prevents a lot of this conflict so it's like having police on your streets we all gotta pay for police so we might not like having to pay for it but when you have police on your streets and you give them the ability to enforce the law Crime is going to be low. The problem is when you take police, when you defund the police, when you do that, it would be the same thing with our military, with Ukraine, with anybody else. If we do that, it sends a signal to evil that they've got a, a an, an, an opening, and we might not like it, but we've all got to pay taxes. And again, the number one role of government is to protect the people. I think by protecting Ukraine, we are protecting our country and our people. All in the right. World.
1: Could uh, could this uh... Current uh, administration be doing better on that, or yes. could the next the next president
0: next president fix that issue? I think uh, it, there's you always got to say you can do better, um, but we always don't want to just hit the other side just because they're different politically. Correct. Um, when I worked in the Clinton White House, there were three things. That they did remarkably well. That they would. That Democrats today would never stand behind. They did the welfare to work program. I remember that. Yep. They put a hundred thousand police more on the streets, which is crazy. And they were head on against drugs and drug legalization. Mm -hmm. Those three pillars, interestingly, are not part of the Democratic platform. But sadly, in our own Republican Party, I would argue that that's those aren't priorities either.
1: I agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. I was just thinking that I think the next president could do better regarding um, all of these things that could keep us safe and deal with the finances regarding the spending on the war and giving aid, et cetera. It's been great talking with you today. So for those of you who are watching, you could get a copy of his book, Eternal Battle Against Evil. Where could they get their copy?
0: Uh, Anywhere. It's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Uh, Just Google uh, Eternal Battle Against Evil and uh, grab your copy there. Oh, by the way, I should say there is a warning on this this book at the top and uh this book is not to be meant uh to lay on your coffee table around kids and the reason is this is a a book that shares the evil of what we're up against Mm -hmm. and so there are very graphic images of what evil does to people and the reason i put this in there is because You know, we live relatively safe here. Right, especially in our area. It's hard to imagine this, but when you see what evil can do, lack of empathy and how they just tear apart good people in society, it makes it real. And my point is, this has been on our doorstep before from an evil perspective. It can be again, and it's why... That that evil monster at the end of the movie, we can never take our eye off the ball. We've always got to stay on target to protect our homeland and our people and our values. Good. And how can people reach you? Yeah. So, uh, geez, just uh, you know, follow me on 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 Facebook, uh, Dr. Paul Chabot, Dr. Paul Chabot, or Paul Chabot for Strong America. I also, have my podcast uh, there as well, Paul Chabot for Strong America. Awesome. It's been such a pleasure my talking pleasure.
1: with you. We talked about so many great things. And my friends, there you have it, Dr. Paul Chabot. Uh, I think this was such a rich. Episode episode. episode where we got to hear a lot from an expert who's been there, done it. And sometimes you just need to hear the hard things from people that have actually done it. I think there are a lot of opinions roaming around, but you need people who have experience, just as you said. So thank you so much for coming on.
0: My pleasure. Thanks, Robert.
1: My friends, God bless you.
0: And I can't wait to see you again.